Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. They do a great job. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. She'll be joining us. Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast, will visit with Boo. Ken Melkus is a citizen activist. He's part of uh, Save Vanderbilt Beach. We'll find out what that's all about and why he's concerned about the process. And we'll also visit with my wife, Linda. She writes uh, greetings from Paradise. And I'll look forward to getting an update on what's happening here on the Paradise Coast as well as across the country in the politics. She's really into that. Well, it is December the 29th, and on this day in 1940, London suffered its most devastating air raid when Germans firebombed the city. Hundreds of fires caused by the exploding bombs engulfed areas of London, but firefighters showed a valiant indifference to the bombs, falling around them and saved much of the city from destruction. The next day, a newspaper photo of St. Paul's Cathedral, standing undamaged amid the smoke and flames, seemed to symbolize the capital's unconquerable spirit during the Battle of Britain. In May and June of 1940, Holland, Belgium, Norway, France fell one by one to the German Wehrmacht, uh, leaving Great Britain alone in the resistance against Nazi leader Adolf Hitler's plan for world domination. The British Expeditionary Force escaped the continent with an impromptu evacuation from Dunkirk, but then left behind the tanks and artillery needed to defend their homeland against invasion with British and land and, uh, forces. Outnumbered by their German counterparts, the U.S. aid did not yet, had not yet begun. It seemed certain that Britain would soon follow the fate of France. However, Winston Churchill, the new prime minister of Britain, promised his nation that the world and the world that Britain would never surrender and the British people mobilized behind their defiant leader. On June the 5th, the Luftwaffe uh, began attacks on English Channel ports and convoys. And on June the 30th, uh, Germany seized control of the undefended Channel Islands. On the Ju- July the 10th, the first day of the Battle of Britain, according to the uh, Royal Air Force, the Luftwaffe intensified its bombing of British ports. Six days later, Hitler ordered the German Army and Navy to prepare for Operation Sea Lion. On July the 19th, the German leader made a speech in Berlin in which he offered a conditional peace to uh, British British government, but Britain would keep its empire and be spared from invasion from leaders accepting the German domination of European continent. A simple radio message from Lord Halifax swept a proposal away. Germany needed to master the skies over Britain if it was to transport safely into its superior land forces across the 21-mile English Channel. On August the 8th, the Luftwaffe intensified its raid against the ports in an attempt to draw the British air fleet out in the open. Simultaneously, the Germans began bombing Britain's sophisticated radar defense system and the Royal Air Force fighter airfields. During August, as many as 1,500 German aircraft crossed the Channel daily, often blotting out the sun as they flew against the British targets. Despite the odds against them, the outnumbered Royal Air Force flyers successfully resisted the massive German invasion, relying on radar technology, more maneuverable aircraft, and exceptional bravery. For every British plane shot down, two Luftwaffe 
Luftwaffe planes were destroyed. At the end, the Royal Air Force launched a retaliatory air raid against Britain. Hitler was enraged and ordered the Luftwaffe to shift its attacks from uh, the RAF installations to London and other British cities. On September the 7th, the Blitz against London began, and after a week of almost ceaseless attacks against several areas of London were in flames in the Royal Palace, churches and hospitals had all been hit. However, the concentration on London allowed the Royal Air Force to recuperate elsewhere, and on September the 15th, the RAF launched a vigorous counterattack, downing 56 German aircraft. The costly raid convinced the Germans high command that the Luftwaffe could not achieve air supremacy over Britain, and the next day, daylight attacks were replaced with nighttime sorties as a concession of defeat. On September the 19th, Hitler, a leader, uh, Nazi leader Adolf Hitler postponed indefinitely Operation Sea Lion, the amphibious invasion of Britain. The uh, Battle of Britain, however, continued. And in October, Hitler ordered a massive bombing campaign against London and other cities to crush British morale and force an armistice. Despite significant loss of life and tremendous material damage to British cities, the country's resolve remained unbroken. The ability of Londoners to uh, maintain their composure had much to do with Britain's survival during the trying period, as American journalist Edward R. Murrow reported, not once have I heard a man, woman, or child suggest that Britain should throw in her hand. In May 1941, the air raids essentially ceased as German forces massed near the border of the USSR. Great story. By denying the German a quick recovery, depriving of uh, forces to be used in the invasion of the USSR, and proving to America the increased armed support for Britain was not in vain, the outcome of the Battle of Britain greatly changed the course of World War II. Uh, of course, the leader, Winston Churchill, uh, was uh, perfectly placed. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by to so many, uh, by so many to so few. That's according to a quote, of course, from Winston Churchill. Uh, I've seen the movie 12 O'Clock High a couple of times. It's really a great film. It was produced in 1948, uh, featuring Gregory Peck, uh, Gregory Peck, Hugh Marlowe, Gary Merrill, and others. Point is, it's a great film. It almost feels like history is repeating itself. It sounds like an allegory for the 2020 elections, doesn't it? Uh, free markets capitalism, individual liberty under attack, will we sustain and uh, defeat the invader? Just my thoughts. Well, a three-story, four-level parking garage should be built near the site of the proposed Gulf Shore Playhouse Theater and Education Center. The Naples Community Redevelopment Agency Advisory Board recommended on Monday. The board unanimously voted to recommend the size and parking garage should be constructed and for the city to proceed with a partnership agreement with Gulf Shore Playhouse to develop the garage at 1st Avenue South and 12th uh, Street South. The items will be considered by Naples City Council and the Acting Community Redevelopment Agency as a public meeting in a public meeting in January. So this is a great achievement. Congratulations to those at Gulf Shore Playhouse. I served on the board, uh, in fact, board chairman for 15 years to get the organization started, and it was I'm just so proud to see what they've accomplished now. This is a great milestone in the history of Gulf Shore Playhouse. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 321 new cases of COVID-19 in Collier County and two additional deaths on Monday. Uh, the seven-day uh, moving average of new cases is 131 on December the 23rd, the latest numbers we have. No reports on the number of hospitalized right now. <clears throat> Wonder why that is. 
I suspect it's because the number of hospitalizations is going down, just my guess. Austrian uh, lawmaker Michael Schedlitz administered a COVID-19 PCR test to a glass of Coca-Cola during a session of parliament earlier this month. The soft drink unfortunately tested positive for coronavirus. The entire test was captured on video. He later wrote on his Facebook page, the coronavirus mass tests are worthless. This was also shown to be a simple experiment in Parliament in which COLA got positive result. But this government spends tens of millions of dollars in taxpayers' money for precisely these tests, he's, he complained. And, uh, you know, to me, uh, there's so much wrong with the science on this. In fact, our own doctor, uh, Anthony Fauci, appeared to admit last week that he has deliberately misled the public regarding the coronavirus for the second time since the pandemic began. He keeps on changing the numbers with herd immunity. And he says, well, I, you know, I have to do that because I think the people are not going to accept uh, a higher n- number. So I throw out a lower number. He said when polls say only h- about half of Americans would take the vaccine, I was saying herd immunity will take about 70 to 75 percent, he told my, uh, uh, a reporter. Then when newer surveys said 60 percent or more would take it, he said, I thought I could nudge this up a bit. So I'd, I went to 80 to 85 percent. It's not science. This is just ridiculous. And I don't know about you, but I really resent the fact that we need real science. We need to protect ourselves and stay healthy. But this is just getting in the way of that. Fauci admitted that science really don't know what the real number is. (laughs) Though he himself estimated that the real range is somewhere between 70 to 90%. But I'm not going to say 90% he added because doing so might discourage the Americans to take a vaccine. What a hypocrite. He truly is a hypocrite. He, I, he should in no way be in charge of anything that's going on re- with regard to our health. Of course, uh, Biden, quote-unquote, president-elect Joe Biden says he's going to continue on with Fauci. What a bad idea that is. Well, and the, the House on Monday approved giving Americans weathering the coronavirus pandemic $2,000 stimulus checks, substantially boosting payments from the $600 checks that were set to be given out uh, on the relief package that President Trump signed into law on Sunday evening. I don't think this is going anywhere. We can't afford it, and I don't know why we'd want to do that. The bill passed 275 to 134. It needed two-thirds of the House to, to approve it. Uh, and uh, it's going to go to the Senate, and I think it's going to die in the Senate. Thank goodness it's just not good law. We continue to pile up debt in this country, and we're going to pay the piper if we don't, somebody's going to pay the piper in the future, maybe our kids or grandchildren, but this is just totally out of control now. An extra $2,000 per person. How can we possibly afford that? It makes no sense whatsoever. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website, I hope you check it out, is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. All 
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Just hearing the commercial about St. Matthew's House. I hope you patronize them. We're going to drop off some gently used items uh, before the end of the year uh, for St. Matthew's House. And also uh, visit Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, Justin's Kitchen just opened up because of the generosity of uh, the Holacek Foundation, Jerry Holacek, of course, is the owner of Lulabee's Diner. So I hope you drop by Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, uh, lunch or, uh, I'm sorry, breakfast or lunch. Great great breakfast or lunch. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadumbo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Great news in the Naples Daily News this morning that uh, the Advisory Board has approved uh, unanimously uh, the garage for next to Gulf Shore Playhouse. You've been such a supporter of the entire project. I just wonder if you had any thoughts about all that. Well, I'm really pleased that they that they did that. I, I mean, I think that the Playhouse would be such a an amenity uh, for the city of Naples and uh, for downtown that I'm, you know, I'm glad that it's going to be it's going to come to reality and of course the parking garage is something that's needed for the playhouse and for to ease the the uh, parking situation in downtown so i you know congratulations on on the playhouse's hard work and uh, you know i guess the next step is city council absolutely so they were going to be meeting in january i've only heard good thoughts from council about the project so i'm hopeful that it will pass unanimously as well 
I, I will say a little shout out to Kristen Corey, who's the producing artistic director and founder of Golf Show Playoff. She's done a terrific job from the ver very beginning. She had an idea in her mind to have professional theater here in the community. And voila, 15 years later, we're looking at this. And so it's really an amazing accomplishment by a great leader, uh, Kristen Corey. Yeah, she's done an amazing job. You know, um, John and I, my husband and I, uh, truly enjoy going to the performances and miss them, uh, you know, uh, this uh, past spring. Uh, but I can't wait till we're back on track and we get to see those wonderful, particularly the humorous ones. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Well, the professional phenomenal. acting is just unbelievable. Yes. So uh, I want to. I know you're in this new role now. You're responsible for the the. Uh, legislation that passes or inevitably gets on the floor and uh, i'm imagining that's a pretty big job and pretty time consuming well it is it is I, I spend um i have to carefully review all the bills that are filed not just the bills that would have you know in the past it was the bills that came before my committee and then were heard on the floor and as you know two thousand bills get filed every year and i have to read every single one uh -huh. of them to determine uh, you know, which, which committee should they should be referenced to. And, and the hard part is that there are a lot of bills that are filed that are either like protest bills or uh, they're not well thought out, they don't make sense, but I still, under our rules, have to refer them to committee and let the committee chairs decide whether or not to hear them. So I have to put aside my feelings about the bill itself, mm. whether I like it or don't like it, to be very objective on who or which committees I refer them to. And that is really hard because sometimes I'm reading a bill and go, wow, this is fabulous, this is great, you know, and that, or, you know whatever. Yeah. But, I'm, oh, no, that's not my job. Or at other times I'm reading and going, oh, my God, what were they thinking? But, again, that's not my job. That's so um, interesting. So you, lit you literally go through this process without uh, making a judgment about the, the quality of the that's bill. That's right. That is so interesting. So I would imagine, though, you do have the discretion of which uh, committee to assign the bill, and I, can you assign right. it to more than two two committees? <laughs> Bingo! Yeah, <laughs> if you see a four, uh, typically we assign them to three committees. Sometimes two, if they had passed through the Senate last year, and for some you know reason that you know the House didn't take it up or whatever, uh, you know we might give it two references, but. Uh, if you see four, it either means the bill is so cumbersome that it has to be vetted by different silos, whether appropriations or a, or a, or a, a policy, several policy committees. Because, like for example, we had a bill the other day that was dealing with education, and it talked about uh, that I was reading and all these things that needed to be done. So, of course, I'm going to uh, refer to education committees. But right in the middle of it was something that require local governments to do. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with education. Mm -hmm. So I added, had to add a fourth reference on uh, government operations because it was something for government. Mm -hmm. So people, when they're drafting bills, sometimes don't think about it. And, you know, what the bill sponsor might end up doing is taking out the language dealing with local governments because four references... It's really hard to get a bill through four committees. It, yeah, I'm guessing nearly impossible. I would guess that the the uh, likelihood of a bill arriving on the floor for a vote is about uh, the number of committees factorial. In other words, in terms of its yes, difficulty, exactly. because everybody's going to have an opinion, and uh, right. the more opinions that are considered in terms of the bill, it probably reduce its likelihood of getting to the floor. I wonder, exactly. Do you uh, is there anything like uh, bill filing one hundred and one for the people? <laughs> 
<laughs> who are, <laughs> come into the uh, it, state senate or state it, house? We do. We actually, I mean, both the House and the Senate have some new member training, and this, the committees that you serve on, the staff should often reach out. But, you know, people file bills for different reasons. Some mm-hmm. file just so that they could do a press conference knowing that it's not going to go anywhere. Um, you know, others are so committed to the, the language that they are just bound and determined to include it. And, you know, it, it, that, there's, there's a reason they, they call the bill process making sausage, because it gets squeezed, it gets needed, it gets changed. It gets, and it, it, the bills that are filed, um, I'd say nine out of ten times, don't look anything like the file bill when they get yeah. to the floor because people file amendments, um, and even the bill sponsors he- hearing uh, criticism or or suggestions on how to be- how to improve a bill will make changes. So th- that's why the four committee process is. If you have four committees. If a bill is changed in committee, it has to be. I have to look at it again. Yeah, you know, and I have to see. Oh, see, they added something. This may need to get re-referenced to another committee, or they took something out. Maybe we can take a committee away. Yeah. So it's um, it's like it is a lot of times like making sausage. Yeah. But in the end, yeah, it would, should work. Yeah, I would guess. I would guess that even it, uh, somebody who's sponsoring a bill after they see the end product, they may vote against it. That has happened. Yeah. Uh, very rarely, because we do, at least in the Senate, we try to be deferential to a bill sponsor. So if uh, someone wants to add an amendment that the bill sponsor uh, is uncomfortable with or basically says this is an unfriendly amendment, mm-hmm. then typically the chair of the committee or the committee members will say, well, let's, let's not add this uh, amendment. Um, unless there's like a hostile takeover of the bill because everybody wants the amendment and the bill sponsor does it. So there's, you know, it's a very interesting, intricate process. And I, uh, this is right up my alley because, you know, the policy is what I care the most about. Yeah. And um, being able to help craft that policy is really um, an honor. It well, really is. God bless you, Kathleen. I must say, because it sounds like an arduous and difficult task and taking off. <laughs> A lot of focus, so it's certainly not up my alley. But I must say, I'm so grateful, <laughs> grateful that you're willing. To, it sounds like there's an art, art and science to what you're doing. You have to there is. be an official, but you also have to make some judgment calls as well. So that's right. Very interesting. Right, and uh, being a, a lawyer, um, you know, I've been a lawyer for you know, forty some odd years now. It helps <clears throat> to read the legislation because it's not in a vacuum. You know, the legislation's a piece. Uh, that, that goes back into the statutes, and you have to be cognizant of what the other parts of the statutes say. And you know that's something that I do used to. Well, I don't practice much anymore, but day in and day out. So that's been very helpful for me. Absolutely. Again, Kathleen Pasadena, our state senator. I genuinely appreciate your support and coming on the show, keeping us informed. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, and have a great day. And you as well. Thank, Thank you. you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortson. Time to find out what's new with Boo. It's usually a lighter side of the show. We'll do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you could find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Ken Melkus. He's a citizen activist here at the uh, Naples One Project here in North Naples. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you, Boo? Oh. <laughs> it sounds like you got a house full of family. <laughs> yes, we do, and the ensuing noise and chaos that comes with it all. Well, you know, Martin. How was your Christmas? Oh, it was fabulous, uh, Boo. How about yours? It was great. It was great, but you know, I have to tell you, I sound like a Baham bug. I'm so glad it's over with. Yeah. Well, understood. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, speaking of the kids in the house, Martin Luther uh, did his great works, the Diet of Worms and all that stuff, uh, with just like something, 12 kids in the house. <laughs> so, you know, great work can be done when you're surrounded by family. Easy for you to say. <laughs> Hey, I have to tell you, uh, we went downtown last night, mm -hmm. and I was so pleasantly surprised and really kind of flabbergasted at how busy and thriving downtown Naples is. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that an interesting observation? We've gone down to uh, Blue Provence, 
and uh, the restaurant is packed. I mean, uh, it's it, it, people are you know they're the economy is opening up. It's great to see. Holy cow! I mean, we were down on Fifth Avenue, and it was so busy. Mm. All the restaurants were busy. Mm. We went into one restaurant, and she said, "People are now calling a year out in advance to make a reservation." Isn't that interesting? So, were people wearing yeah. ma- were people wearing masks? Uh, yes, in the restaurants they were. You know, if they were walking around or going to the restroom, yes, they were. Uh, on walking on the street, some were, some weren't. Mm-hmm. Some some had them on. Most outside walking on the street did not. Were people happy? Did they look happy? Euphoric. Yeah. I think everybody was so. I don't know if they all came from somewhere else just for the holidays. Mm-hmm. People were so happy to be outside. They had all the lights. The restaurants were all open. You know, it was like business as usual. Isn't that? And great? you know, it just is fascinating to me that. You know, it's Florida is open, and then you read California just extended the lockdown or yeah. the, the stay at home was extended for another three weeks, and you think, what's the difference? Well, that's it. I mean, the, all the evidence, the science shows that the lockdowns actually provide absolutely no benefit. And of course, there are unintended consequences: hurting the economy, hurting mental health, all kinds of things, alcoholism, child abuse. You can go right through the list. The point being is that there's no evidence whatsoever that shutdowns uh, add anything or, or keep us safer. I think our governor, I just really appreciate uh, Ron DeSantis, our governor, and the job he's doing in making decisions, which is basically leaving hands off and let us run our lives. Oh, yeah. In my mind, he's a rock star. Yeah, me too. Me too. So uh, Hopefully he runs for another office. I mean, he's just, he is just so... Fabulous. Yeah, well, we, so, you know, where everybody is complaining about this year and how difficult it's been, and it's been the worst year that everybody's lived through. Well, you know, if you look at his history and go back in time, there were so many other years that were a thousand times worse than this. I mean, we were inconvenienced, yes, a lot of businesses closed down, but I mean, is this like the Great Depression? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and we don't know what times are ahead. I must say, I'm looking forward to 2021, uh, which I think will be a better year, quite frankly. Uh, I, I'm happy to see the, this, this year wind down because of, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but it's, uh, my, my uh, outlook on other people has changed slightly. I mean, I'm not as outgoing, not as uh, comfortable socializing and that kind of thing because of the lockdown. So I look forward to this being over. Oh, I do, too. And, you know, the shots are here in Naples. People at the Moorings got them yesterday. Oh, really? So uh, are you going yep. to uh, get the shot? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I will. Mm-hmm. I'm I get- will. Are you? Well, I'm, I'm uh, still a little uh, suspicious. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like to uh, immediately jump in and do something like that without finding out all the evidence. There's going to be several brands and several opportunities to consider. And uh, when you take a look at the the uh, the uh, well, I'm going to say the the risk life risk of getting the virus. There's risks in everything. Uh, I I just wonder about the veracity whether it's a good decision to get the uh, vaccine. Quite frankly. Well, you know, I'm not going to rush to be in the front of the line. Yeah. Obviously, I won't be in the front of the line. But uh, if it's easily available, uh-huh. yeah. I'll do it. All right, there you go. Hey, so uh, this gives me an opportunity to bring up, I always look forward at the end of the year to read 
uh, Dave Barry's column about the year 2020 uh, that just passed. Have you read his column? No, but I love him. He is so hysterical. He's awesome. Yeah, so he's he's a columnist for the uh, uh, Miami Herald. I wasn't sure. He's, he's getting to the age where he might stop this thing, but he did it for this year. It's about, oh, 9,000 words. It's, it's a long document. My goodness, it makes me laugh out loud. For the benefit of our listeners... Google Dave Barry year-end message. It is just absolutely hilarious, Boo. He's great. Do you know years ago he came and uh, uh, spoke at the Philharmonic? We were there. One of the evenings? Yeah, we were there. Yes. Did you go? Yes. He was fabulous. Oh, God, yeah. I, I'm such a big fan of his. He's got such such a funny, hysterical way of putting things. Yeah. I just re- In fact, I just read one of his articles about when he went and got a colonoscopy for the first time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing he does. Uh, you know, he runs for president. Well, at least for the last 20, 30 years, he's run for president. It's kind of a, a laugh, but his platform is to the death penalty for the guy that uh, invented the slow flush toilet. <laughs> <laughs> there you have That's something we can all get behind. <laughs> <laughs> to, to use a phrase to get behind, so get behind. <laughs> <laughs> so, so boo, have a woodier than I even I thought. <laughs> so I kind of interrupted your train of thought, though, which is basically that we've seen worse. We should be grateful for what we have. Is what I'm taking away from what your uh, point of view is. The Great yeah, Depression. I think so. I mean, look how bad the Civil War was. I mean, look how devastating that was. Yeah. You know, or the the Black Plague, where people were stacked up like cordwood on the street, uh, or the Great Depression. I mean, these were catastrophic times. You know, I, now granted, I haven't lost a business, so my perspective is very different from somebody that has, you know, had a lifelong business and it had to close it. Right. Um, So I, I understand and appreciate that, but... I don't know. Americans are pretty resilient, and uh, I think that we've, if we could just get the politicians out of the way, wouldn't we do so much better? Oh, I think so, Boo. It's just unbelievable. It's kind of like 1984 anymore, or Animal Farm. Boo, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. I just hope you had a great Christmas. I know you did, and I hope you have a fabulous new year as well. Really appreciate you coming yeah, on the show. And, and when coming. we talk next week, we'll talk about resolutions. There you go, Boo. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Ken Melkis. He's uh, uh, one of the activists for the Save Vanderbilt Beach Project. We're going to find out about that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. 
imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, uh, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And as you heard, building a new uh, performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with my wife, Linda. We're talking about Greetings from Paradise, a column that she writes and many folks enjoy here on the Paradise Coast. Right now we have with us Ken Melkus. Ken is... Uh, uh, activist. Uh, he's uh, concerned about what's happening with the Naples One Project, and uh, he's part of the Save Vanderbilt Beach effort uh, and pro- project. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Ken, t- uh, tell us about Save or the Naples One Project, what it's all about. Well, Naples One Project is uh, a project that has been proposed by Stock Development Corporation, and and specifically, it is a multi-story residential condo cons- facility, if you will. And it's scheduled to be located, uh, planned to be located on the corner of Vanderbilt Beach Road and and uh, Gulf Shore. Um, lots of opposition. Uh, the opposition group feels as though it does not comply with the development code for Collier County, as well as a lot of zoning regulations that are are being requested by the developer, um, and there's been a great deal of opposition towards it, Bob. Yeah, well, absolutely, and the reason I think this is so important is, first of all, I'm, I'm a neighbor of yours, a neighbor of uh, this project, so I'm concerned myself, and certainly the landowner has the right to do with his land as he wishes according to the Collier County Code. I certainly don't object to that, but my concern is the commissioners, in many cases, are just turning a blind eye to violations of uh, the, the code, and allowing builders to do whatever they want. Yeah, if you look historically, um, that the pendulum, as it relates to reasonable development, has swung so far to the pro-developer side mm-hmm. that the individuals who reside in the affected area, and, and for that matter, throughout Collier County, because this will be precedent-setting. Uh, it's not just going to affect the specific site that I referenced, but it's going to have implications for the entire Collier County. And for those of us who are concerned, 
about being a mirror image of Dade County, I think everybody can appreciate. We want growth. Growth is inevitable. Right. But we want reasonable growth, and it must be done in accordance with the needs and interest of the residents as well as the developer. So we need to find that balance. Absolutely. Now, uh, the code would require for some limitations on what the developer wants to do. Uh, what he's proposed is uh, goes beyond that. And my, my concern is not only the project being built, creating traffic jams, all kinds of things on Vanderbilt Beach Road and, and that area down there. <laughs> Uh, but in addition to that, setting a precedent, it's kind of the camel's head in the tent, whereas all of a sudden, well, if they can do it, why can't we? And you see a lot of activity on uh, the beach there, tearing down uh, homes and trying to build condos and high-rises and so forth. It really could turn into something like Miami Beach. Uh, it, it very definitely could, and I think that's a, a big concern. Historic, what we've done in the last year since this project has officially started on the planning cycle is we have really focused on one Naples development. But the reality is, as we move forward in terms of our opposition, and I'll talk specifically about what the timetable is for that, uh, we need to reach out to all of Collier County. There are five districts, as you know, Bob, there are five commissioners, and all of those commissioners need to listen to their constituents because what happens here in District 2 is certainly going to be a possibility to be transported and uh, replicated in the other districts, and it would be a tragedy. Great point, and I know there's literally thousands of people who have, uh, are active in this Save Vanderbilt Beach and uh, are concerned about this. A lot of big show, showing for the last meeting, uh, or hundreds of people who are against uh, the project as proposed. Uh, now uh, there's a meeting coming up, I think it's March 3rd or 4th. Maybe you could tell us about it. It is uh, scheduled to be on March 1. Uh, if you look historically, what happened is this project on March 3rd of 2020 commenced with what they referred to as an NIM, a Neighborhood Information Meeting, which is required by state law. Mm -hmm. There were over 400, 450 people estimated in attendance. It was held over at uh, St. John's Evangelist Church, and there was a tremendous amount of outcry. They asked for a show of hands about of those people who were there who supported the project and i think there were eight individuals that supported there was just a tremendous amount of concern regarding traffic regarding density regarding height obstruction of use lack of open space lack of setbacks every metric that one would use mm -hmm. in terms of trying to determine what's reasonable um and just an outpouring of concern by the constituents and now the project has gone through its cycle of review. The staff has conducted a review. They have recommended, uh, this is the county staff, they've recommended that the project be approved, but with severe limitations or conditions. Mm -hmm. And that would be to reduce the proposed development from 208 stories, or excuse me, 208 feet or 16 story towers, two of them in other buildings, down to 125 feet. So they have done what we believe is, is the right thing. They have tried to look at the code and uh, ended up with a, a position that they uh, do not feel that the plan as submitted would be approved. And that was reaffirmed when the planning commission considered this over three-day hearings, uh, probably unprecedented, Bob, 
in the Collier County area where there was just so much opposition mm-hmm. and it, that opposition continues and the planning commission did not approve the plan as submitted by stock. Um, now it moves forward without basically without a recommendation. It moves forward to the county commissioner, full county commissioner review, which is scheduled for March 1. Mm-hmm. And uh, that... Uh, Apparently, is in a in a venue that's not going to accommodate all the people that have a concern about this. It's certainly not going to accommodate four hundred people. And and that's our that's our biggest concern right now. Obviously, we believe that the project should be denied, uh, but people ought to be given an opportunity, both pro and con, to be able to voice their concern. And what the commissioners have done at a December fifteenth meeting is they decided to venue. Uh, would be appropriate to have this at the county offices, effectively reducing the amount of space available. And second of all, putting people in harm's way as it relates to the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. We believe that is just uh, just an awful, awful decision. And we've asked the county commissioners to reconsider. And that was by a three to two vote, by the way. Uh, just to show you how contentious this whole process is, mm-hmm. that you have to make a decision based on where to hold the meeting, that's a split vote. Um, and it really concerns us because it, one, detracts from the ability for people to be able to voice their positions, and second of all, because of putting it in. And we don't have a specific uh, venue that we are arguing for more. We have Ask the commissioners to look at uh, three different sites specifically. They should make the choice, but we don't think that the uh, site that they've selected on the, at the county offices is the appropriate site. Well, I know you've voiced this by letter to the uh, county commissioners. I certainly support uh, your voice in that, on this. And again, uh, to me, he, guy owns the land. He's a developer. He has a right to develop something. All he has to do is just stay within code. And uh, yeah, not- and, and and Bob, to that point, we are not an anti-development group. Right. We have not tried to obstruct any development. As I indicated earlier, development is inevitable. We just want it to be reasonable. We want if there's a minor variance to being. Uh, requested, so be it, but not things where the height of the buildings are doubled versus code. Setbacks are basically ignored. 70% less uh, open space. It's just a travesty. It's the wrong building, wrong development for that site. Yeah, There's so, no question about it. So I, I'm going to encourage our listeners to go to the website, savevanderbiltbeach.com, savevanderbiltbeach.com. This is an important issue for everybody in our community, and I would suggest for everybody in Florida, because we do need that. We, we want development. We want to see uh, We want to see new stuff. We want to see good stuff. We want to see it, though, stay within code. And right now the commissioners have had a history of uh, – well, in, in many cases, approving variances uh, to to the code for the purposes of uh, new development. So, Ken, I just really appreciate what you're doing, God's work. I really uh, just encourage, again, VanderbiltBeach.com. Save VanderbiltBeach.com. Ken, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, and, and best wishes to you and your listeners for safe and holiday season as we move into 2021. Thank, thank you. you. You as well. Thank you, Ken. All right, uh, we've got more here. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Harden. That's right, she is my wife, and uh, we're going to be talking about what's on her mind, usually around what's happening here in the community, as well as nationally. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. (laughs) 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on the board. You can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us Linda Harden. That's right, she is my wife. She also is popular because of the newsletter that she sends out. It's called Greetings from Paradise, and a couple thousand people subscribe to it. In fact, her past newsletters from the last year show up on my website, bobharden.com, under Greetings from Paradise, the pull-down tab. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. It's been a while since I've seen you. I know. (laughs) So so I'm hopeful that we can talk a little bit about what's happening with the election. I mean, the president has not conceded the election right now. And there's still breaking news, important stuff that's happening. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I'm of the opinion this is all going to end up on Mike Pence's desk. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, the the breaking news that you're talking about is really kind of mind-blowing because after Pennsylvania has already certified their the votes for the president and whatever, all of a sudden, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, they've turned up uh, over 200,000 Votes that haven't even been looked at. Yeah. What what I saw, I I think I saw this thing. There's like over two hundred thousand people uh, who are counted in the vote. Who uh, that's two hundred thousand votes more than people that actually voted in the thing. So there's a big discrepancy. It's here. a huge discrepancy, and um, that that state representative, state senator uh, Mastriano, I think his name is. Right. Uh, he's he's been at the forefront of just plowing through all this bureaucracy that, that the Pennsylvania legislature is, is trying to push through and the governor and whatever to, to just get the truth out. And I applaud him. He's just been doing a great, great job. Yeah. So what is his objective? What do we, I think it would do great if they would change the certification. Uh, or My guess is, though, it's probably just going to end up in the uh, House of Representatives and the Senate on the uh, 4th or 6th of January. I don't know. By, the, by that... That gentleman that I told you last night, whose name I can't remember, who who was who testified at one of the hearings, he said these things could be turned over this week. I mean that the mm. Pennsylvania count is just so blatantly false. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then in Arizona, mm-hmm. the the people of Arizona are so angry about those those um, 
officials who won't let those voting tabulation machines be um, looked at. Yeah, inspected. Some sort of- I mean, people are outraged, and they're actually leading the fight to get the truth out. Yeah, the, the they're, the, they're looking for a forensic audit because uh, the machines uh, have behaved very suspiciously. And I've also read something about uh, China, of course, having a real interest in the outcome of this of this vote and uh, actually having, in some ways, meddled with the vote. Well, China and, and oh, by the way, Mark Zuckerberg, who, who is the billionaire who's, who started Facebook, yeah. and he's put millions and millions of dollars into this um, election and, and the voting and, and whatever, and all of this stuff is coming to light, which is great. And then, of course, there's, there's Georgia, and there's a big mystery going on with that, that uh, Brian Kemp, the governor there, is just under so much pressure. Under so much pressure, but he's he's like hiding under the bed. Yeah. So and of course there are all kinds of ties to this company Dominion and people who have uh, been supported by Dominion. Uh, and uh, so I don't know what the full story is. I have my suspicions, but what I do know is people are not seeking the truth. What they're instead they're running interference for the results that are have been uncovered so far, and. Um, I strongly believe the results are not correct. They're not correct, and Sidney Powell is supposed to be on Rush Limbaugh's show today. Sadly, I'll be at lunch, so I won't be able to hear it, but mm. um, she's she's going to be revealing even more information about what's going on. She's People are saying, oh, they won't let her in the White House, and they won't do this, and she's she's being stonewalled. Well, that's not guess true. again. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this is the other thing that's happening, is the mainstream media is definitely playing favorites in this entire process. They're trying to demean trying to reduce the interest of people in staying in this process. And, of course, the president's holding a rally in Washington, D.C. on January the 4th, I think it is. No, he's, well, he's, no, he's, hand, he's having a rally. January 6th is going to be a big deal in Washington, D.C., of but course. he's holding a rally in Georgia mm-hmm. on the 4th. Yeah, and, of course, that is a big, big election, and uh, you can only hope that at least of one of the Republican senators is elected because that gives a majority of the Senate uh, to the Republicans, and I, I'm not for or against Republicans. The, what I'm for is avoiding a slide into communism and into all the projects, the Green New Deal, and all the nonsense that's going to create havoc in our economy. Here's some interesting news about Georgia, which you may or may not have read, is that um, the majority of the money that's going to Ossoff and that Warnock, yeah. the Democrat candidates for, yeah. for Senate, yeah. guess where they're coming from? New York and California, and oh, by the way, their money is drying up now. So they're they're in kind of dire straits because all of a sudden their funding is just like going oh, away. Oh, I, I hadn't heard that. That's very interesting. So very interesting. That was on that was on the news this morning. Well, God help us. Quite frankly, I think this is all going to come down on Mike Pence's shoulders, and I hope he's preparing himself. I'm praying for Mike Pence. I, Pence. I hope uh, everybody will because. Uh, ultimately, he's going to be in this role of being an arbiter, according to the Constitution, on January the 6th, when, uh, when they go through the, he opens the envelopes and finds out who the electors are for. He has the power to question the electors, and then opening, uh, if if there's a couple people from the Senate and the House, or one person for each, uh, that would lead to a debate about the issue before the issue is resolved. I think I think that between now and January 20th, 20th is not going to be for the faint of heart. Did you know, oh, by the way, that Mike Pence uh, has a has a trip scheduled to Israel on January 13th? So he knows something. He's not packing up, and and the people at the White House have have 
been told not to pack to go anywhere. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Well, like I said, I do think, though, that, that this, is a, this is not business as usual. And some of the people that are in elected office right now, they're, they, they're going to have, to have to handle challenges that they've never seen before in their lives. And oh, by the way, the backdrop on all this is when people are having to make these important decisions, there are life threats, there are threats to the kids, there's threats to all kinds of things. So this is, this is just, uh, it's a big deal for these elected officials. Not only that, it is exposing the deep state. It's mm -hmm. exposing the people in Washington who have been kissing up to Trump all along, and it's exposing who whose side they're really on. Yeah. Well, uh, I know for me, and I think I'm speaking for you as well, I'm interested in your comments on this. So this is not a Republican or Democrat type of issue. This is around uh, making America great again. This is about bringing the government back to the people, away from the power elite and the deep state and the swamp. And uh, there's so much joy among the people who think the way I do, and I, th I believe the way you think, uh, and that this has actually happened. And it, the threat of seeing us through illegal means and through cheating, seeing the country slide into uh, socialism is uh, just so dis uh, distasteful. Yeah, and, it, and it's just showing how, how corrupt our elections have been mm. for years. Mm. This Dominion thing is not new. I mean, yeah. it's, it's been going back for years and years. And like I said before, the curtain is being pulled back on all of this. Right. Well, I mean, this expresses a little bit about the character of a people in America. And we've been sliding downhill for a while now. It's time to face the music. It's time to get things fixed. And hopefully the president will appoint a special counsel in order to look into this election. Because it is a state issue. But we can't have cheating and we can't have this kind of thing going on. Uh, and somehow, some way... We have to get the uh, states back in line, having them conduct elections that are fair and uh, honest. And, you know, I, I just think it's so important, too, that, that you talk about back to the people. And it's the people who are leading the charge on, the, on, these, right. on these election uh, corruption issues, which is so great. It is indeed, my lovely wife, Linda. I always appreciate your commentary. You're so well-informed and uh, up-to-date in what's happening. Uh, any good scoop on the Paradise Coast here? Uh, you know what? Nothing, nothing monumental. I, I, um, the last news I told you was that Hermes is going into uh, where Ralph Lauren is at Waterside Shops. Waterside Shops really needs foot traffic. They they want people to come in and visit oh, them. Yeah. Um, the Third Street Plaza has been as we pass by every time when we go to Blue Provence. That's uh, now rubble. And what? How long did that take? Yeah, it took a long time. Well, hopefully. We'll see something beautiful there because it's going to be a beautiful downtown area on 3rd Avenue South. Linda, always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, by the way, one more thing. Yeah. Uh, real estate in Florida is cooking because they're escaping the rest of the United States to come here. So. I know. My worry about that, though, is that they're bringing their politics with them. So. Well, we know some people who are actually that part of that, so it, it's kind of scary. But it, anyway. It is indeed. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Yep. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoy. Uh, whoops, what am I doing? I pulled the wrong knob here. I <laughs> hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, tomorrow we're going to visit with Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. Andy Jopp is going to be with us. He's a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of so many books. His latest is How It All Happened, How Everything Happened, Including Us. So I always look forward to visiting with Larry as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. If you'd like to get the newsletter I send out after every show, again, bobharden at hotmail.com.
com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.